Good morning, everyone. Um, it's, uh, it's a blessing to be, to be with all of my family here again today. I hope that you slept well, and um, I pray that the Holy Spirit has been ministering to your heart, um, and that you've been, you know, um, keeping up with praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, like Pastor asked, we should be praying daily for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I want to, first of all, before I, you know, get into the message, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to Pastor John and um, our Winlock and on Alaska family and all of those who are gathered here. I want to thank um, Elder Mark and his family as well. And uh, uh, the boys celebrated a birthday yesterday. Praise God for another, another year, right? Another year. And... Uh, um, we just pray that God will continue to bless you young men and all of our young people. Um, I really appreciate it also, you know, the, the meals that were provided. I mean, weren't they good? <laughs> Wonderful meals. So I want to thank our, uh, you know, those that were in the kitchen and, and um, providing the meals. I want to thank those who put this all together. Um, what I'm really fond of, and I'm going to take away from this, is how the Holy Spirit has been really working and moving here at this camp meeting. The opportunity to pray with people is, I mean, just unlike anything else for me. I love praying with people. You know, Christ, while speaking to great audiences and great crowds, there was nothing like his one-on-one -on -one, um, time with people, and I, I value that very much. So whenever I have the opportunity, when folks come up to me and they have questions or they want to share, um, something or they want to they want to pray together um, I that's what I value and I, I also thank God that um, I've got to meet more of my family on this side <laughs> of Washington State and um, folks I want to share with you that this is beautiful um, for us to come together we are family and by the way you might as well get used to it because we're going to be spending all eternity together <laughs> You know, we, we've lost a few war horses along the way. I, I know that recently we lost Kenneth Cox, a man of God who, who recently passed away and went to his rest. But man, what a, what a man of God, I mean, who served God faithfully for many, many years and led many people to Jesus. And not long ago, we also lost C.D. Brooks, you know, that colorful, <laughs> uh, you know, very uh, powerful man of God as well. And so... There are, there are those who have been in the battles and been in the crucible and been through a lot, and now they have been laid to rest. And I remember the servant of the Lord says, now who will stand up in their place for these old standard bearers? And beloved, I want to share with you that I believe that God is raising men and women all over the world to stand and proclaim the gospel. And I'm just thankful to be a part of that. The highlight of my day of uh, this also is just being able to see the church be the church, <laughs> serving, praying, sharing. Regardless of who comes through our doors, we ought to love them and embrace them. Isn't that right? And so I, I appreciate that. I'd like to have a word of prayer before I get into the message this morning. So. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you. I praise you for this beautiful morning. I thank you for my family. And Lord, heaven is going to be populated <laughs> with people from every nation, kindred, tongue, and tribe. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that heaven is going to look so beautiful with all the different colors and different people, Lord, that will populate and make up heaven. I'm so thankful and grateful, Lord, for the opportunity to share with my family what you have put on my heart for this one time, Lord, one last time, Lord. And I, I just pray that we will come away from here with a greater hunger and thirst for the Holy Spirit and for your word. And Lord, I pray this morning for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon our gathering, Lord, to be poured out here. And Lord, wherever the Holy Spirit is being poured out, we pray that we don't miss it that we will be present, Lord. And I'm thankful for what my pastor Noel has shared, Lord, that we ought to be asking continually, asking daily for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're so thankful that you, Father, are willing to give us the Holy Spirit. Thank you. 
Now be with us as we go into your word. Bless your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I don't know how many of you, I think there's a few of you in here um, that might know. um, I just got a text message this morning when I woke up early this morning and spent a little time in the word and in prayer. But um, how many of you here know Marilyn and and Kermit Browning? Oh, yeah, that's so. They're they're church members of mine and um, wonderful people, wonderful people. And um, they've actually suffered the loss of three sons. Three sons. They've suffered the loss of three sons. One, I believe, was killed um, while he was um, serving in the military. Um, Their second son committed suicide. And then their third son came down with, 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 with some type of debilitating disease that even the doctors couldn't diagnose. So they didn't know what, what was going on with him. And what was sad about it is he had, a, he had a wife and two young children at the time, and he basically wasted away, and, um, and he passed away. And uh, so they lost three sons. Well, she texted me this morning, and yesterday I had a conversation with her. She called me early before I came up here, and she told me, please, Pastor, pray I'm heading over to Eastern Washington because we have a family emergency. My father, my father is taken ill. Well, he passed away this morning. And so she suffered another loss. Um, you know, one of the things, one of the miracles that has taken place with her, because after the death of her third son, I think the accumulation of all of that, she had, she had been holding up pretty well, or at least um, it just seemed that way on the outside. But... Um, she finally broke down and went into deep depression. And she, she actually um, closed herself off from everybody else and stayed home. And, and I tell you, um, she was really unrecognizable because she just seemed like she herself was gone. Um, but after much prayer and after, you know, church family just continually loving her and, and ministering to her, I praise God that this past year, God brought her out of that deep depression. And she, she finally was showing that life again and that, you know, um, and she was just back to being her old bubbly self and, and, and back in the church and wanting to get involved and help out wherever she can and smiling again. And now she suffered the loss of her father. And so I ask that you would keep them in prayer. You know, one of the things I want to share with you real quickly here is that in the book of Isaiah, um, if you would turn, turn with me in your Bibles there real quickly, Isaiah chapter 55 Isaiah chapter 55, and I'm not going to, this is not the message, I don't know, um, I think the Lord is just wanting me to point this out this morning, because I, I believe that many of us here have suffered losses, and, and I'm sure that the pain of those losses may not have gone away, or, you know, they, it still lingers, and you know, uh, we, we still miss loved ones, however, I'm so thankful that according to the book of Titus chapter 2, Verse 11 down to 13, it says that we have the blessed hope. And that blessed hope is in Jesus, right? We have the blessed hope. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16, 17, and 18, it says, for the, or actually going back to verse 13, um, the Apostle Paul says that we ought not to, we ought not to sorrow as others sorrow. We, we have hope in Jesus. We have the hope of the resurrection. We have the hope of the second coming. And beloved, I want to share with you that that, that event is imminent, and it is very soon, and I praise God because we are all going to be a part of the greatest and grandest reunion ever to take place. We're going to see our loved ones again. In the book of Isaiah, the 55th chapter, beginning over there in verse 6, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6, the Bible says, What's that first word, everybody? Seek. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. And notice this, folks. Praise God for this. For he and he will have what? Mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly what, everybody? Pardon. Aren't you thankful for a God like that? Yes. <laughs> Merciful and abundantly pardons. Yes. And by the way, even, even, even the ability, even the ability to turn and return to God 
it's, it's, it's actually initiated and activated by God himself. Because we don't even really have the ability to repent. And so it's God who woos us and draws us. It's God with his everlasting love that draws us to himself, that causes us to turn to him. And I want you to notice what it says going on. Oh, I'm so thankful for a merciful God who, who abundantly pardons. I praise God for that. And then it says in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, whereas we only see what's in front of us, Mitchell, and we only see only a small part of the picture, I'm so thankful that God sees the whole picture. Amen? Now let me, let me, give, you, let me give you God's perspective on death. And I'm, I'm doing my best humanly to try to portray and paint a picture of how God's perspective on death is. And also why I'm so thankful, my dear brother, that God doesn't always answer my prayers the way I think he should answer them. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Aren't you thankful? How many of you are thankful and praise God that he doesn't always answer the prayers the way you wanted them answered? Okay. Well, let me give you, let me give you, let me give you an example of these. The prophet Moses in the book of Deuteronomy chapter three, read the last few verses. I'm just making reference. Moses says to the Lord, God, let me go over into the promised land. Let me see that good land. Let me go over. And what did God say to Moses? Moses, nope. You're not going over, and we are not going to discuss this anymore. God just basically cut him off. He said, we're not going to even discuss it. It's not even up for discussion. You're not going over. And you know the rest of the story. The Bible tells us that Moses did not cross over to the Jordan and into the promised land. In fact, he was buried on Mount Nebo. He died on Mount Nebo, and there he was buried. Now, we have another prophet over there in 1 Kings chapter 19 by the name of Elijah. Now, Elijah just had come off a fresh victory on Mount Carmel, the Bible tells us, against all the prophets of Baal and against Jezebel and King Ahab. And God had, God had wrought marvelously on behalf of Elijah and the people of Israel, and he gained that victory on Mount Carmel. However, at the threat of Jezebel, what did Elijah do? The Bible says that he ran and he fled into the wilderness. And we are told that when he was out there in the wilderness, he prayed unto God and said, Lord, take my life. This prophet who had just gained a mighty victory at Mount Carmel now was despondent in despair and even suicidal. Now, why, why do I bring up these two? Because I want you to, I want you to really pay attention to what I'm, I'm sharing. Moses prayed, Lord, let me live and go over into the promised land. God said, nope, you're going to die on Mount Nebo. Elijah said, Lord, let me die. I'm not like any other of, of my prophets, and I'm the only one that's still standing. And God said, nope. According to 2 Kings chapter 2, our Bible tells us that Elijah, while walking with Elisha, was taken up to heaven by a fiery chariot. So God did not answer Elijah's prayer according to the way he wanted it answered because God sees the big picture. And Moses, his prayer wasn't answered the way he wanted it to, to be answered. He died. But if you read over there in Jude chapter, I mean verse 1, there's only, I mean Jude 1, there's only one chapter. And verse 9, we are told that Michael the archangel and the devil fought or actually disputed over the body of Moses. And the Lord didn't even argue with him. He just simply said, the Lord rebuked thee. And he took Moses with him to heaven. And how do we know? Because in the Gospels it tells us that on the Mount Transfiguration, when Jesus was being glorified, both Moses and Elijah were standing on the Mount with him. Wow. What's amazing to me, is that while Moses did not have his prayer answered immediately, he had his prayer answered eventually because he was standing on the mount with Jesus, so he did enter the earthly promised land. But he was in a better promised land. He was in the heavenly Canaan. Would you say amen? So what I'm sharing with you is that not everything, we, we, we only see a, a small part of the picture, but God sees the whole picture. Let me give you one more example. And by the way, this is very important for us to understand. 
King Hezekiah. Do you know that there are four, there are four accounts of King Hezekiah in the Bible? Let me ask you something. If there, if there are two or three or four accounts in the Bible, do you think that if God is trying to repeat a story that it's important for us to look at? Okay. And the one that I'm, the one that I'm coming from comes from the book of Isaiah, chapters 36 through 39. And if you were to ever read the, the account of Hezekiah, what was it that the prophet Isaiah said to him? He said, Hezekiah, get your house in order because you are going to what? You're going to die. <laughs> in other words, it's time for you to go to bed. Now, all you good parents in here, let me ask you. How many of us, for the most part, try to have our kids in bed at a certain time? 8 o'clock, 8.30, 9 o'clock. What about when your kids ask you they want to stay up later? How many of you, how many of you give in sometimes and say, okay, you can stay up a half an hour later with mommy and daddy? Okay. Or some of you just let your kids stay up whenever, how late they want. Okay. Here's the point. You guys know the story. Hezekiah went home after he, I mean, he was, he was, he was, Broken, and he went home, and the Bible tells us that, what did he do? What was his reaction to the news by Isaiah? He turned his face where, Mitchell? To the wall, and he cried out to who? He cried out to God and said, Lord, have I not walked in your way all this time? Have I not been faithful to your commandments? Have I not done this? And he said, please, have mercy on me. Please, don't let me die. And how did the Lord answer his prayer? Using the what? Sundial. The sundial. Did he turn it forward or backwards? backwards? Backwards. How many years did God add to Hezekiah? 15. Do you know that in those 15 years, Brother Michael, that Hezekiah nearly lost his salvation and, and actually committed some of the most egregious mistakes in his life? That's why it's important. Listen carefully, and you've got to read this in the spirit of prophecy. She makes it very clear that there are times when we go in and we pray for the sick. Especially the young people, she says. You got to read this over there. I believe it's in Welfare Ministry and other parts of her writings. But she said that, that it's not a lack of faith when we pray to God and say, Lord, please raise my child up or raise my family up from the sickbed. And she says, but sometimes what happens is it might have been better for them to have gone to sleep when they would have gone to sleep because God would have saved them then and there. Because when they are raised up from the sickbed, there are too many who forget God after that. trying to give you a perspective here because sometimes we, 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 and I shared this in Hawaii, I shared this in Hawaii and I want to tell you one young lady, she came out, her, I mean she was bawling and she said, you know what, I lost my mother over two years ago and I couldn't understand why God took her but after what I heard today, it was very clear and I'm thankful that God sees the big picture. I want to tell you that for the Christian, <laughs> you guys are going to love this. That's why for the Christian, it's a win-win situation. It's a win-win situation. Listen to this. Let me ask you, does God have the ability and the power to raise people off of their sickbed? Does he? Yes, he does. Has he? Yes, he has. There might be some of you sitting in here that have experienced it, where you were, where you were on your sickbed or where life was starting to ebb out, I mean, away from you, and yet God performed a miracle on your behalf and saved your life and raised you up off of that sickbed. Here's the good news. As long as we are in Christ, and brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, for us, it's, it's, it's a win-win situation. God can either choose to raise you up off of your sickbed or permit you to go to sleep and come up in the first resurrection. How's that? How's that? How do we lose in that? And you know, I'm even thinking too that for those who fall asleep even now, and although we're going to miss their physical presence here on earth, why would I want my mama to come back to this world when she can just rest and the next person she's going to see when he comes through those clouds is Jesus? <laughs> Oh, beloved, I pray that we will see the big picture as God sees it. 
sometimes we must and like I shared the other day with my story about you know that young man who came wanting to commit suicide found me and the reason why he found me was because a couple of years ago my nephew had a conversation with him they were both in the drug business they were both I mean gang banging they were both in you know doing all kinds of stuff and yet this nephew of mine's who never ever really gave an inkling that he was that he actually listened to any of the stuff that any of the elders ever said actually shared with him and said if you want to know who God is if you want to know who Jesus is if you want salvation and you ever run into a jam I want you to go and see my uncle Maya well that nephew of mine's just happened to get shot and killed this past New Year's Eve Okay? And what I'm sharing with you is that it, it almost seems as if God was trying to remind me, listen, even with your nephew, I know how heartbreaking that is. I know that you're mourning and grieving, Nehemiah. I know that your whole family is. But even your nephew's case is in my hands. The one beautiful thing I love about the gospel and about God is that even in people's last moments, you just never know where their hearts and their minds are. And by the way, according to the Bible, do you know that God also weighs and takes into, takes into account everything, including where you grew up at, where your background is, where you come from, how, whether or not you had um, ample opportunity to receive the light. God takes into account all of that. That's why he's the judge and we're not. Now let me get to what I wanted to present to you this morning, and I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, the 24th chapter. Matthew chapter 24. You know, whenever people share with me and say, man, you're, praise God for your testimony, I just want to share with you that it's really, I just want to really praise God for what he's done. Part of the testimony I didn't share yet is that as I mentioned to you, my father was a pastor. My mom was a praying mother. Grew up with 10, those 10 of us brothers, 10 boys and two girls. And my father always had worship morning and evening. We always read the morning watch. Do you remember that? <laughs> we, we read the morning watch. And it had such a profound impact on my life that I remember, um, I was just sharing with, with, uh, with some family members there in the, in the dining hall that... Um, I used to take my Bible to school, and I grew up in the public school system. I took my Bible to school in third, fourth, and fifth, sixth grade, and I would stand boldly on the, on the playground during recess, and I would preach my heart out. Now, I didn't know what I was preaching, but I would preach my heart out. See, this is... God had given me this holy boldness ever since I was a kid. I was a child. I was, I was never afraid to share what faith or what I knew from Scripture. I would stand in the corner, and before you know it, the whole, all of the kids on the playground would come, and they would listen to the message. I would then go back home, and I would, I would grab all the Bibles from the house. And my, I think my dad asked one time, he said, hey, what, what, what happened to all the Bibles? <laughs> I took all the Bibles with me and I would distribute them to my friends and I would preach the gospel every single recess. That's what I'm saying, that there was a, there was a conflict in my heart. There was a, a great controversy that raged in my heart, even, when, even as a child. Because I was conflicted. I knew I, I had this desire and this longing in me to be used by God. I, I saw my father preaching the gospel from the pulpit. And at the same time, I would see my older brothers in and out of prison, engaged in this, in this lifestyle of women and cars and, and money and drugs and all of this. And I was kind of, there was a tug of war going on in my heart. And so I've always when it comes to the preaching of God's word, it's, it's, it, it's like it's, it's in me. I feel, I, feel like, I feel like pastor like Jeremiah. Like I was called from the womb to preach the gospel. And I say that humbly. But in Matthew chapter 24, I want you to notice what it, the Bible says here. And I'm going to 
And please notice what it says, beginning in verse 36. Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 36. And if you're there, would you please say amen? Amen. The Bible says, and these are the words of Jesus. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of who? Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And you, we read in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul says that we are living in the last days and we are living in perilous what? Perilous times. Here Christ says that right before his return to this earth, right before he comes back again the second time, that the earth is once again going to revert back to what it was like in the days of Noah. And what I love about the passage also is that Christ authenticates the Old Testament scriptures and the stories found there. They are not just some fables or tales. Christ himself says that there was a flood, that there was a man by the name of Noah, and that, 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 that the wicked were swept away by this flood. And so Christ himself gives veracity, and he authenticates the scriptures. And if it's good enough for Jesus, and Jesus said that those stories are true, I believe it. I believe it. But I want you to notice something, folks. It says here that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And so we got to go back to the Old Testament and see what that was like. Let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And please notice what it says there. And by the way, you know, if you're tracing the history of this in Genesis chapter 6, in Genesis chapter 3, we are given the story, the sad story of the fall of our first parents, Adam and Eve. But praise God that the first gospel promise is mentioned there in verse 15, where it says that God will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy heel, and he shall bruise your head. That was the first gospel promise in seed form. And then what we have is from that moment on, we have growing out of that seed, the entire picture and plant of salvation all throughout scripture. And then we, what you have to understand is that the devil also heard this. He knew that the Messiah was going to come in to the human family somehow, some way, sometime. And the devil was going to pull out all the stops to try to keep the Messiah from coming. And beloved, that is, that is consistent throughout all of the Old Testament and the scriptures because it began first in Genesis chapter 4 when Eve had a man child and she says that the Lord has given me a man child. She thought that Cain was going to be this promised what? Deliverer. But then he began to exhibit certain traits. <laughs> and, and the devil began to work on him. Read this. This is, all, this is all laid out for us, not only in scripture, but in the book Patriots and Prophets. And she, she talks about how the devil recognized these traits of character and began to work on him and work on him. And then all of a sudden, you know the rest of the story. His brother Abel, who was faithful to God and showed his faith in God by offering him what God said to offer, which was a lamb. The Bible tells us that Cain rose up and did what? And killed his own brother. And therefore, the devil probably thought at that time, man, I'm so thankful that I got rid of that good guy and I can keep working on this guy. Well, the story goes on. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. The world now is wicked because the lineage or the line of the line of Cain, the line of Cain and the line of Seth began to mingle and intermarry. And as a result of that, the world became corrupt and wicked. I want you to notice what the Bible says in Genesis chapter six, Genesis chapter six, beginning in verse one. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto men unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all that they chose. Now, I want to make it clear that the sons of God here is speaking, speaking of the line of Seth, the line of Seth, okay, the line of Seth, and the daughters of men speaking about the line of Cain, and they, they mingled and intermarried, and as a result of that, the Bible says that, and the Lord said in verse 3, my what, everybody? My spirit, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for he, is, he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and what? Twenty years. 
I want you guys to really focus in on my spirit should not always strive with man. And beloved, I want to share with you that while the spirit of God is striving with man today, we need to take advantage of every opportunity to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit will reach out and touch people. You know, one of the things, one of the things I'm discovering is that we Adventists, and, and, and I, again, I'm just talking to in generalities, but there are too many of us Adventists who are well-informed but not transformed. Um, and what, I, what I mean by well-informed is that we know, we know scriptures backwards and forwards. We know prophecy. We know the spirit of prophecy. We have all these things that God has blessed us with, and yet we have not been ourselves transformed by it. We need the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is striving right now with each and every one of us. He's striving with folks out there, trying to, trying to bring them in so that they don't go to Christless graves. How can we as a church sit idly by and watch people go to Christless graves and sit there and just say, wow, I, that's really too bad. God has called us for action. Ellen White says this. I love, I love how she puts it in that book, Desire of Ages, that she says that God wants to move us from one stage of action onto the wider stage of action. He wants us to be having an impact, not just where we are and in our community, but wherever the Lord takes us. And please notice, my spirit should not always strive with man. And then he says, for how long? For 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Verse 5, and God saw that the what, everybody? That the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that how many imaginations? Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Are we living in such a time where the thoughts or the imagination of the thoughts of the heart is only evil continually? And then notice in verse 6, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man for whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creating thing and the fowls of the earth, for it repented me that I have made him. And I praise God for verse 8, for anyone who says that grace can't be found in the Old Testament, notice what it says. But Noah found what? Grace. Found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And by the way, God also extended grace to the whole antediluvian world, that entire generation. He extended to them grace for 120 years. Okay? So, the Bible also says in verse 11, the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with what, everybody? Violence. Filled with what? Violence. Violence. Are we seeing that today? Yeah. So it's like jumping right off of scripture. I mean, you don't, you don't need to hear it on CNN or any of these other. The Bible tells us that all of this stuff was going to happen. The Bible says that that the hearts of man and the imaginations of their hearts will only be evil continually. The Bible says that the earth will be filled up with violence. And we are living in such a time. Jesus says that right before I return again to this earth, it's going to go right back to the way it was in Noah's day. By the way, did you notice over there in Matthew chapter, chapter 24, verse, verse 37, 38, it says that they were, they were marrying and giving in marriage they were eating and drinking. Let me, let me just share with you that in her, there's, nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with those things in and of itself. I'm thankful for God for marriage. Aren't you? For those, I mean, well, you know, I guess, I guess I better be careful because it depends if your marriage is a hell on earth or heaven on earth. But I'm thankful for marriage. God gave that as a gift. Yes. Now, is there anything wrong with eating and drinking? No. It depends on what you're drinking. Yeah, well, you're right. Because God, God, but God made us, this is, this is part of our makeup, Mitchell, where we eat and drink. We need sustenance. We need, we need that for our physical strength, right? And energy and health. That's right. But let me ask you a question. You know, I find it, I find it amazing that, that, that Jesus specifically mentions these two things because if you really look around the world today, what two things are being perverted today? Marriage, Marriage and what else? Appetite. Mm -hmm. Right? 
Marriage and appetite. They're, they're, it's, there are perversions of it today. And it's also taken to excess. So, and, and the marriage thing, <laughs> over there in Luke chapter 17, Jesus adds another, I'm not going to ask you to turn to it, but he adds another example. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, and then he says, as it was in the days of Lot, yeah. Solomon and Gomorrah, so shall it also be in the coming of the Son of Man. So, folks, marriage, giving in marriage, eating and drinking, people, per, people's appetites are perverted today. Let me ask you, do you think that, do you think that God gave, gave us and blessed us with a health message just to keep it to ourselves? No. Are we to bless the rest of the world with this wonderful health message that God has given us? Yeah. Are we to, are we to stand on the biblical model of marriage? A man and a woman? Yeah. Um, so, so listen, so we're right in the thick of it. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm just sharing, because the Adventist church, I have yet, I don't know, maybe pastor in your neck of the woods or maybe elsewhere, you've probably seen it, but I have not yet seen where the Adventist church has faced these challenges, notice, yet. Other people are going through it. Other people have to fight for their convictions. I have yet to see an Adventist church go through it yet where, uh, where and I might be wrong. I mean, I haven't looked around, and, but I haven't, seen, I haven't seen a homosexual couple enter into an Adventist church and ask a minister to marry them. Have you? Okay, but I'm saying, but I'm saying that exactly what you're saying. Folks, all these things that we are facing right now, please understand that we are, as a church, going to face them. And, and the question is, what are we going to do? Are we going to remain? Are we going to, we going to keep our integrity to God and to his word? Or are we going to give in? And again, appetite is not just what you eat and drink. Appetite also is what you fill your mind with. Again, through the five senses. Whatever it is that you're watching has an, has an effect upon upon your mind, what you listen to, okay? Please understand, I, 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 came out, I, came out from, I came out from that world. I came out from that world of, of drugs, and, and, and like I shared with you, I, I aspired once upon a time to be a rap artist, and that's why sometimes people say, Nehemiah, even my wife, sometimes she'll be sitting in the back when I'm preaching, she says, slow down, slow down. You're talking too fast. But I used to listen to I used to, I used to listen to this certain type of music, this this rap music, and and it's funny that they even regurgitated it and brought it back in the form of a movie. And you guys may you guys may or may not know it. You guys may or may not care. But there used to be a group that came out of Los Angeles, and they called themselves NWA. I won't I won't tell you what that acronym stands for because it's vulgar. But they called themselves NWA, and they were they they would they would put on music. They would put on music, their, their lifestyle and what they did in the hood and, and also um, their encounters with the police. That's the stuff that we used to listen to. And I want to tell you that every time I listen to them songs, here's how, and I, and I used to have these cars, you know, that, 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 were, that, that were lowered and, and, and had the sound system booming in the back. <laughs> That's why my wife says, man, sometimes you're deaf, honey. <laughs> You know, you know what's funny too, pastors, the other thing she said to me, and, and I love my wife, she's so, man, she's so just straightforward with me. You know, she said, man, honey, it's amazing how you can memorize scripture, but you can't memorize my shopping list. <laughs> how you like that, Mitchell? Huh? How you like that? I'd go, I'd go with the list, right? I go with the list and I'm over there looking stuff for around, you know, in, in the supermarket. And then I come home and I forget something and she's like, honey. I asked you to bring this and this. What happened? Oh, I was looking right at the list. She says, wow, you can memorize scripture and forget things on my shopping list. You know? But anyways, and so, you know, I had these, I had all this stuff, but, and, uh, and, you know, cars that had these booming sounds. And I want to tell you that it even changed the way that I walked, the way that I came home. 
my wife knew that I was listening to hip-hop and rap. Just by the way I would walk in and the way that I would talk. You know, it had this, it had this effect on me, you know. It's hard for me to do it now because I can't, you know, but I used to, you know, walk in a certain way like. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but then I started listening to hymns. <laughs> glory, glory. I mean, I'm just, that, but that's the power of the gospel. And so I want to share with you quickly these points that I want to, I want to make about and you can find all seven points because for the sake of time, um, let me turn it on. John, how much time do I have left? I want to be sure I'm keeping up. Madison, how much time do I got left, my brother? Oh, we're ready, brother. We have the whole day. <laughs> whole day. Okay. Huh? All right. Thank you. So, you know, they had, they had Bruce Almighty. And then they have Evan Almighty. You know, these caricatures of... And movies about the ark and, you know, basically, you know, just, you know, my, my, my dear pastor over there comes from uh, Kentucky, right? Where he's pastoring. And they actually have uh, an ark over there. And, and I'm hoping and planning to go see it sometime. But I, man, I hear that it's drawing big crowds and that it's really having an impact on people, um, you know. And uh, so I didn't get a chance to, to find a photo of the, that one in Kentucky and put it up. But, you know, they got all these stuff floating around about the ark and and they even had i believe there was a, a movie about noah which i didn't really i didn't waste my time on but you know hollywood just has a way of depicting certain things but i want to get to this i want to get to i want to share with you seven reasons why the people did not get on the ark and it all comes from the spirit of prophecy from that book patriots and prophets read it sometime okay seven reasons why they did not Get on the ark. Reason number one. Many at first, many at first appeared to receive the warning. Yet they did not return to God with true what, everybody? With true repentance. They were unwilling to renounce their what? Their sins. Beloved, I want to share with you that there are many you know, and sadly to say, maybe even among our churches that are not willing to return to God with true repentance and are unwilling to renounce their what? Their sins. Unwilling to renounce their sins. I'm so thankful for the promise in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And listen, let's claim the whole promise. Do you know that the majority of the Christian world stops at forgive our sins? Really, they, 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 they break that promise in half. Let's claim the whole promise. If we confess our sins, and that little word if denotes choice. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, praise God, and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All of it. Would you say amen? All of it. So let's claim the whole promise. Let's allow God to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, that promise is also actually um, acted out in the story of the woman found caught, I mean, caught in adultery in John chapter 8, where, you know, she was caught and the Lord said, where are your accusers now? She says, there are none, Lord. And, she's, and then Jesus says, neither do I condemn thee. That's forgiveness. Would you say amen? That's forgiveness. Neither do I condemn thee. And then what does he tell her? Go and what? Sin no more. In other words, not only do I forgive you, but I also can impart the power to keep you from returning back to that lifestyle. So listen carefully to what I'm going to say. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever it is that you're wrestling with, I want you to know that there is power in the blood, that the Holy Spirit is power, that he can keep you from returning back to that. I'm not saying that, there, you, know, that you might not relapse or struggle because all of us struggle at times, but I'm thankful that we have an advocate with the Father according to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. I'm thankful that we have the Holy Spirit sent to reproduce the character of God in our lives. And whether we are cultivating or we have hereditary tendencies to evil. We are bent towards evil. I want you to know that when the Holy Spirit comes in, he can straighten you up. And he can give you power not to go back to that stuff. 
Listen, you're looking at a guy who struggled with alcohol, a guy who struggled with dope, a guy who used to deal meth and, and crack cocaine. It, it, bring, it, brings me, it brings shame to my heart that I, used to, that I used to serve people this stuff. I'm talking about young people. I'm talking about women, women who are emaciated and broken, women who, I mean, and, and this, this has such an effect on, on women. I've seen meth in Hawaii have an effect on women where it just dwindled them down to nothing. I'm talking about beautiful women. I'm talking about women who were made in the image of God. Now, the, now it's like marred and just totally broken and the devil was trying to take them. And that's the reason why I am preaching the gospel the way that I do because I no longer want to see them slaves of the devil. I want them to be set free by Jesus. Amen. Whatever it is you struggle with, all you have to do is turn to Christ. But many at first appear to receive the warning that they did not return to God with true repentance. They were unwilling to renounce their sins. Number two, some were deeply what? Convicted. And would have heeded the words of warning, but there were so many to jest and ridicule that they they partook of the same spirit, resisted the invitations to mercy, and were soon among the boldest and most defiant scoffers, for none are so reckless and go to such lengths in sin as do those who have once had light, but have resisted the convicting spirit of God. Let me, let me share something with you. All this weekend, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And do you know, beloved, I want to share with you that according to the word of God, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, it says, do not, do not, um, I'm sorry, quench the spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. Help me out, Mitchell. Ephesians, Ephesians 4.30. I want to make sure that I'm getting my scriptures right here. I don't want to get them mixed up. This is important, too important. Quench. Okay. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Go ahead, Mitchell. And grieve, not the Holy Grieve. There we go. And grieve not the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 says what? Do not quench the Holy Spirit. And then over there in Acts chapter 7, and what did, what did Stephen say to the leaders when he was preaching to them? You do always what? Resist the Holy Spirit. And then over there in, John, in Matthew chapter, I believe it's chapter 10, or somewhere around there, Jesus was accused by the leaders of working under the power of Beelzebub, and he says, I want you to understand something, that every sin that is committed against the Father and against me may be forgiven, but the sin against the Holy Spirit shall not be, shall not be forgiven. And beloved, I want to share with you that if the Holy Spirit brings you into convict, under conviction, the best thing to do, as my pastor said so often throughout this weekend, please, whatever you do, do not stifle the conviction of the Holy Spirit Act upon it and immediately respond and give in to the Holy Spirit. Would you say amen? Amen. Because what happens sometimes is you may be convicted, but then when you walk away, that conviction soon begins to what? Weaken Weaken and wane and die out. And then what happens, listen, this is what what is really sad about this is that where they were once so strongly convicted. And and listen, folks, the moment that you start turning to Jesus, you're going to really discover who your true friends are. You don't have to get rid of your friends. They will get rid of you. You start walking around with Jesus in your life. I'm not saying all of them, but I'm saying that many friends will turn away because there, there is that, there is that, 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 that conflict that, that arises. Jesus says, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. And so when I'm living in you, please understand that there will be those around you in your home, in your family, among your friends, among your coworkers that won't like what's going on in your life. But you know what? When people start to jest and tease and ridicule you, that's okay. That's okay. Jesus loves you. Amen? Amen. Jesus loves you. Point number three. I got to finish up because I had my time. As sin became what, everybody? General. Wow. It appeared less and less what? Sinful. And they finally declared that the divine law was no longer enforced, that it was contrary to the character of God to punish transgression. Wow. And they denied that his judgments were to be visited upon the earth. Had the men of that generation obeyed the divine law, they would have recognized the voice of God in the warning of his servant. But their minds had become so blinded by rejection of light that they really believed Noah's message to be a what? To be a delusion. I'm just going to make reference. 
Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Woe unto them that call good evil and evil good. And we're living in such a time. And what did the Apostle Paul say? I believe it's over there in 2 Thessalonians. And, or 1 Thessalonians, it talks about how that when we don't love the truth, that God is going to send them a strong what? Delusion that they should believe a what? They should believe a lie. And so the rejection of the truth, listen, it's not that God sends a delusion. That's just the language and the verbiage that's used in Scripture. It's not that God sends the delusion himself. It's that, that God has to step back now and respect your freedom of choice. And the more that you reject and reject and reject, the more you're going to actually believe a lie. I mean, have you ever come across somebody who actually lied so much that they actually believed that the lie was the truth? That's what happens. Now, let me go to number four. As time passed on with no apparent change in nature, men whose hearts had at times trembled with fear began to be re reassured. They reasoned as many reason when? Now. now, that nature is above the God of nature and that her laws are so firmly established that God himself could not change them. Reasoning that if the message of Noah were correct, nature would be turned out of her course. They made that message in the minds of the world a delusion, a grand what? Deception. By the way, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, do you know that Jesus warns us of deception four times? And again, I ask, if he, if he, warns, of, if he warns us four times of deception, do you think that's very important? Do you know that our only safeguard against deception is the Word? Is the Word. That's right. Yes. Yes, Michael. And the Holy Spirit wants, to, Holy Spirit wants us to understand the Word. Second, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, how much of Scripture is inspired, inspired by God? It says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All of the Bible is good. Every single bit of it. God breathed. And beloved, I want to share with you that in their minds, this was a grand deception. You know what's, what's interesting is, even when the animals were coming to the ark, and you read the account given in Patriots and Prophets, all these, and, and, and man, these men, had, these men had giant intellects. Let me ask you something. How much do you think you could learn in 900 years of living? And not forgetting. Yeah, I, yeah that, that's amazing. I mean, these guys, scientific, whatever minds they had... They stood there, and I just imagine as all the animals were going and filing into the ark, standing over there like, wow, this is pretty cool. <sighs> wow. Sometimes we're too smart for our own good, folks. You know, we, we um, and I like what Pastor said, whether we have, whether we have a degree or not. Hmm. God is going to shock and surprise us with the people that he uses to help spread this message. Number five, they asserted that if there were any truth in what Noah had said, the men of renown, the wise, the prudent, the great men would understand the what? The matter. What's the problem, what's the problem here? The problem here is that we are turning too much to who? To men. To us, yeah. Well, you know. You know, you know what really, and I hope and pray that none of us in this room do ever do this. Please don't go around quoting what Nehemiah said. Quote what the Bible says. Amen? Quote the Bible. Oh, I know we might use some references for somebody, you know, once in a while. But, you know, I, it troubles me when people start quoting their favorite preacher more than they actually quote the Bible. <laughs> finish. Let's finish. As, as the time of their probation was closing, the antediluvians gave themselves up to what, everybody? Exciting amusements and what else? Festivities. Those who possessed influence and power were bent on keeping the minds of the people engrossed with mirth and pleasure, lest any should be impressed by the last solemn warning. Is that happening today? Are people engrossed with pleasure? So much so that they don't have time for the word. Thank you, brother. They don't have time for the word. Is that happening? They don't have time for the message. Is this message that we bear as a Seventh-day Adventist church solemn? Does it need to go out to all the world? Will it go out to all the world? Yes. According to my Bible, Matthew 24, Revelation chapter 14, this gospel will encircle the entire globe. And every 
group, every people group, every nation, kindred, tribe, tongue, and people will hear the three angels' messages. They will hear the message of righteousness by faith. They will hear all these things. And I praise God that the fourth angel mentioned there in Revelation chapter 18 is going to join forces along with that third angel. And that message is going to go forth with greater power and the, and the, and the glory of the Lord and the Holy Spirit is going to lighten the, the whole earth. All of God's people are going to have the character of God and the message is going to go forth with power of the latter rain and all of this is going to happen. Beloved, I want to share with you, I am looking forward to it because I believe with all my heart that God is not finished yet with saving people. And I'm so thankful and grateful that we can be a part of it. The last one. And she says that in her book. Too late, too late, too late. Beloved, I want to share with you that Noah was a faithful preacher. Man, Pastor, I don't know if I would have been able to last 120 years. Preaching probably about raindrops on one sermon. And, and how, how are you going to preach on something you've never seen? Maybe only in vision. I don't know. But it says too late, too late, too late, Mitchell. And, and, and this is what I'm sharing with you. When, when, when finally that, that, that great door of the ark was slammed shut. And the Bible says that, you know, Noah and his family then remained for how much longer? Seven days. Their faith was severely tested. And all the people around the ark were what? Mocking and jesting and ridiculing and all this other stuff. But you know what, folks? On the eighth day, clouds began to overspread and now the windows of heaven began to open and the, and the and jets of water broke forth from the earth. And I'm closing with this. I'm reminded, I'm, I, when in Revelation chapter 6, it says that the wicked are going to call upon the rocks and the mountains to fall upon them, to hide them from the face of the Lamb and Him who sits on the throne. And my Bible tells me in Matthew chapter 25, it says, and in, in, in actually in other places it talks about how when Jesus will come, that He's going to light up the sky. Can you imagine what the sky is going to look like when He's coming with all of His angels? That's going to be a light show unlike any other. <laughs> And then it says that the saints are going to come forth from their graves and they're going to shine forth as the sun. That reminds me of the flood. Because now the wicked have nowhere to run because light is coming from above and from beneath. You see, there's going to be a flood of light that floods this earth, just like the flood. Where, where the wicked had nowhere to run, there was water coming from, from the top, and there was water that was bursting out from the bottom. And just like that, Jesus is going to appear, and his righteousness now will envelop, and, 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 and the saints will be clothed with that immortality and with that righteousness, and they will come forth, and the beams of light will be shining everywhere, and the wicked have nowhere to run. And beloved, I want to share with you that I pray that none of us, I pray that no one, will be among that group, but that all of us will be among those who will be saved. Would you say amen? amen? And God wants to save us. So while there is yet time, get into the ark. And I want to share with you, beloved, that that ark, you guys all know it, found in the most holy place <laughs> of the sanctuary. I want to turn this time over to Pastor, and before I do, I just want to I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask that you would pray for me and my family and, and, and our ministry. <clears throat> that wherever God takes us, that we will be faithful in proclaiming the message and the word and salvation found only in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we want to thank you and praise you for your word that is so clear. And Lord, I pray that anyone under the sound of my voice, Lord, that might be struggling or wrestling, that, Lord, might have an addiction or, or a habit, or um, even, even, Lord, just maybe self-righteous. <laughs> Father, I pray that whatever our, issue, our issues are, I know that we have a Savior who is able to break those chains, who is able to set each and every one of us free. We want to experience salvation. We want to experience the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness, holy boldness, that you would give us power from on high to go and proclaim the message with power and that people will see Jesus 
and be drawn to him. And Father, I pray for every single marriage and home, family, single person, young person, our elderly. I pray for this community. I pray for the Winlock and on Alaska Church. I pray for my pastor John and his wife and his son. I pray for all the leaders here. Please, Lord, bathe them with your presence and with your Holy Spirit, and may they win all of Winlock and on Alaska. Please, dear God, time is short, and we want to be ready for your second coming. Thank you for loving us, and because you first loved us, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Let everyone say, Amen. 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 Thank you.